Welcome back to Culture Shift here on WDET. Hope you're having a good afternoon. I'm Amanda LeClaire. And coming up, we'll have the treatment in about 15 minutes here on the show. But first off, we're going to talk about the world of psychedelics. Late last month, Ann Arbor joined the ranks of cities in the U.S. to decriminalize psychedelic plants and mushrooms. The move follows a more than two-decade renewed interest in the medicinal and therapeutic benefits of things like psilocybin, MDMA, ayahuasca, and more. Research shows that many of these chemicals are incredible treatments for PTSD, intergenerational trauma, depression, but studies in the culture of psychedelics has not always included communities of color. Ifatayo Harvey is the founder of the People of Color Psychedelic Collective, one of the very few groups in the country working to make the field of psychedelic treatment and healing much more inclusive. I spoke to her about how she began the collective and why the work her organization do, is doing is so important. I was working at MAPS back in 2015. Um, I wasn't there very long, but it was an experience. Um, it wasn't a good fit for me in the long term, but I learned a lot. That said, I was the only non-white person on staff at that point and the only black person. <laughs> um, and it wasn't often that I came across other folks of color in um, the psychedelic space. After leaving MAPS, I went to the Drug Policy Alliance, but I wanted to maintain my um, interests in psychedelics because I saw a lot of interesting, exciting things happening with the research that MAPS is doing, um, particularly around MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for people with PTSD. And I wanted to maintain that focus, but at the same time, I knew that it was just a space that I never really felt <laughs> comfortable in. I mean, I think that the concept of POC intentional healing spaces is uh, somewhat new to the psychedelic world because it's been so white for so long. In 2016, I wrote a piece called Why the Psychedelic World is So White that got a lot of attention. And so from that, a lot of Black folks started reaching out to me online. They be Googling of psychedelics and everyone that they Googled was white for the most part. And I would be one of the first black people they came across. So I started getting in touch with people that way as well. You know, slowly but surely it's POC Psychedelic Collective is becoming a real organization that is connecting with a lot of different people and putting out a lot of education and creating community in different places. It's such an important topic to bring to the public. In the last couple decades, the renewed interest in psychedelics, in psilocybin, in acid, in ayahuasca, MDMA, as a potential incredible medicines to treat things like post-traumatic stress disorder, um, other kinds of, of trauma. We've seen it become funded by universities again, and then we've seen it become a public discussion of what these chemicals can do. But again and again, people of color are left out of the research in these therapeutic aspects, and we have to talk about the incredibly unfair and racist drug laws of this country. But I also want to talk about a lot of these chemicals, not all of them, but psilocybin, ayahuasca especially. These are medicines that were kept, and the intelligence of them, kept alive by indigenous peoples, 
and we don't really respect that. Can you talk a little more about that? Because I know that's going to be part of your panel discussion happening this Saturday. Yes, yes. And that is um, ever so relevant today, uh, considering not only what's going on in the world and specifically with the U.S. and the upcoming election, but also the psychedelic world. You know, we all know that these medicines come from indigenous cultures around the world, yet that is not respected. And I think if you look at how we treat indigenous um, cultures here in the U.S., how we treat that history, um, how the U.S. government has treated indigenous people and has literally not respected any treaty or agreement <laughs> um, since they've showed up on this land. Um, it makes sense why we treat these indigenous medicines the way we do. In terms of our panel t this week, we're gonna be talking about cultural appropriation and psychedelics and specifically how there is almost an extractive relationship between a lot of the psychedelic enthusiasts in the US and their relationship with indigenous medicine, specifically in like Central and South America. I see retreats popping up in South America, even in Jamaica, where my family's from. And I'm seeing a lot of white faces who are running the operation, who are in charge, not many black or brown folks <laughs> in management or even working for the organization in general. And so to me, that sets off a lot of alarms in my mind, kind of looks like you're just replicating the colonial dynamic. We're really going to talk about how folks can respectfully engage with these substances, how to develop a respectful relationship, not only with the substance, but with the culture and the people um, who you're learning about and really defining what cultural appropriation is because there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about cultural appropriation. A lot of people think like, oh, well, if I listen to this music or if I cook this dish from another culture, am I cultural, is that cultural appropriation? And I'm like, no, you're <laughs> the key to cultural appropriation, understanding it is understanding the power dynamic at play. And honestly, power dynamics are key to understanding any kind of oppression in the world. Again, if you are a person in a position of power who's profiting off of a culture that's not yours, then that's a problem. <laughs> and I want to talk about the the potentials of healing that are uh, a part of these these chemicals, these medicines. Not having people of color as a part of these research studies and participants of these research studies uh, is, is a huge problem. Why has the lack of inclusion, why is, does it perpetuate itself and what can we do to change that? Getting to the why, why are people of color not included in, in these research trials? It's really about the people who are running the trials, right? If you have racist people running the trials, then <laughs> that's the result you're going to get. So that's part of it. White supremacy perpetuates itself because on one side, it's, it's the people doing the research. Um, the other side is the drug war stigma. There's a lot of stigma on drug users in general, and it's 
that stigma is extra if you're a person of color, especially if you're Black, um, because the war on drugs has disproportionately impacted Black people. And with that stigma that we have, there's also trauma around that, right? So for me, my father went to prison uh, for a drug offense and he was later deported. And so I have my own particular trauma around that. But for other folks, they might have seen some of their family members get addicted to drugs or die from it, overdose. And so there's also that stigma and that trauma that we all have associated with drugs. A lot of times we don't realize that a lot of the stigma, a lot of the trauma that we have is rooted in drug war propaganda. The lack of education that we've all had around drugs there's a much more nuanced answer there in terms of how drugs and, and drug addiction work. That's Ifatayo Harvey. She is the founder of the People of Color Psychedelic Collective, one of the very few groups in the country working to make the field of psychedelic treatment and healing much more inclusive. They do have a, uh, a webinar happening this Saturday on cultural appropriation and psychedelics and in indigenous culture. You can register at their webpage, pocpsychedelics.com. You're listening to Culture Shift here on WDET. 